Welcome to Spirit School. My name is Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. I am the host of your Spirit School, where I will share all the lessons and learnings that I have uncovered through my intuitive development and mediumship development journey. I am a professional psychic and medium, an intuitive teacher and mentor, and I look forward to walking alongside you on this journey. Hello, Spirit School listeners. Thank you for joining me for another weekly podcast. I really appreciate it. have been getting lots of really positive feedback about my most recent interviews with Renata and my business coaches for the Wild Femme and more recently Stephanie of Medium in the Middle. It was very exciting to get to talk to her about her experience as a newly developing medium just two years in. So I'm going to get to the history of mediumship very shortly. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this. It's something I've wanted to talk about for quite a while um, on the podcast because anyone who sits in the development circle with me always gets the lowdown of my point of view on the history of mediumship from a development lens, of course, as a teacher. But I also really am kind of a nerd this way. I really like learning about the history of mediumship. So I will get into that. I hope you'll find it really interesting um, as I geek out in that respect. But I really wanted to talk today about the launch of Spirit School. So Spirit School being an online learning platform. And I'm really excited to talk about it because this is something that I have wanted to do like as I was developing the concept of my podcast Spirit School in early 2018, I also saw the potential of it being an online learning platform. Now I have developed as a medium for you know seven years now almost and I have done in-person development as well as online development. And some of my favorite courses and teachers that I have taken, namely under Kyle Gray, have been online platforms and I have received so much benefit from learning that way at my own pace on my own time as a busy mom that I knew that I wanted to create something like this for my students. And now that about 90% of my business is outside of Squamish and online, it's the perfect time. And then over course with the coronavirus and we have our social distancing happening, I've moved all my clients and all my sessions to online right now. And so it's just a perfect time to launch this. And I am working on a very robust and user-friendly platform to host Spirit School. I have three courses ready to launch, but I just wanted to quickly share with you the one that's coming up this weekend. So starting Saturday, September 28th, it's going to be my first Spirit School live course, Getting to Know the Clares. It's a four-week journey, Saturdays Pacific time from 10 to 1130, online, live via Zoom. And it's going to every week go through deep details, exercises, and Q&A on the four main clairs. So the first week we're going to be talking about clairsentience and then clairvoyance, clairaudience, and claircognizance. And it's a really neat way of doing it, if I may say so myself, because you actually don't have to participate live. Everyone who registers as a student of Spirit School under this program, it's $88 Canadian, which thanks to our dollar plummeting this past week is only $61 American, um, you get the replay of the class if you're unable to make it live. So you get the replay of the class, all the class collateral, including any handouts and visualizations and guided meditations that I'm creating, as well as the Q&A portion of the class. And anything that 
is unanswered during the Q&A time because a time runs out or people who watch the replays may have questions after the class ends, you can email them to me. I'll be creating and gathering them all as an FAQ to send out to everybody after. So I'm really excited and I've had over 30 people register already. There's obviously a real deep desire and need for this. It's actually funny because I had three people reach out to me on Facebook less than a month ago asking when I'm going to teach a Claire course because obviously my opt-in for my newsletter is information on the Claire's all the online workshops that I've hosted for other platforms has been on this and I guess I'm kind of one of the leaders in teaching this right now very specifically around the Claire's and what I love about developing the Claire's in real, like realistically, you could develop as a medium without going into this deep dive into how you receive and decipher and discern the information. But as somebody who really likes details and likes kind of knowing at a deep level what I'm working with, I really like working with the Claire's because it does help me with that, my discernment. It helps me build my intuitive muscles by identifying if I receive information through physical sensations, emotions, a vision, if I hear it, or if I just know it and it comes really quickly. So I have found that my mediumship has really strengthened over the years. My intuition has very much strengthened just from being able to learn about these faculties and develop them continually. So there's never a reading I go through where I'm not explaining to one of my clients, I felt this, I heard this, I just know this. And then, you know, when we come to the message part and it comes through the clairsentience, through that emotion, you're actually making an emotional connection with your sitter and more often than not you're saying something quite simple but they're crying because they can feel the presence and essence of spirit and that's clairsentience it's a very beautiful exchange with the world of spirit and us living here so I really wanted to go into a deeper dive. You know I do everything really beautifully, so I've been really excited and kind of geeking out, creating my presentations for the classes, and it's going to be fun. And if you can't make it live and you don't feel now's the time, it will be available to purchase later on on my Spirit School, my Spirit School platform, which will be launching fully, hopefully by the end of April. And there will be my moon course available there, my seven-day intuition course. I will have my Claire's course and then Mediumship 101. So the entry-level mediumship development class, which I've actually been working on behind the scenes for a very long time. <laughs> and so it's something that's finally coming to fruition. And I was very blessed to receive a Squamish Mothers in Business grant two weeks ago um, to help me launch Spirit School. So again, after I had just quit my day job to pursue this work full time, I tell you, I got this grant and I've applied for it a couple times and I just fell to my knees and I cried because I just felt so supported by the world of spirit um, that I'm doing the right thing, I'm on the right path and that this is something that you know the people want and need. So I'm really excited to be bringing this to you. So you can go check out my Instagram at Squamish Medium or my website at squamishmedium.com and just click like book a reading or one of the booking links and it will take you, the first thing you'll see is the four Claire series workshop. 
which could be live online again starting this Saturday so you only have a couple days and it's going to be super fun. I'm really excited to teach you guys all I know in great detail and give you a sense of the exercises that I do with the clients who choose to work with me one-on-one with mentorship including my group classes. So thank you for hearing me out on that. I'm very excited and it's quite funny because I notice I don't look at my download stats that much anymore. I was pretty hung up on my download stats, you know, the first six months. It was a it was a vanity thing. They call it vanity metrics, like how many Instagram followers do you have? How many Facebook followers do you have? And I kind of just came to peace with it last year and just like I don't care that much because even if I don't have like the 10,000 followers on Instagram, like I'm still doing amazing business. And so I'm kind of starting to realize that you don't need all those vanity metrics to have a successful practice. And I am actually working on some business mentorship in the background, which I'll announce on Instagram in a week or two, because I've had so many people approach me recently who are spiritual entrepreneurs who are working their job and having their side hustle. And they're asking me to mentor them through transitioning to full time. So every time I have a certain number of clients asking me for things, I know it's something that I should be focusing on creating. So I'm totally in creative mode in my business I know that this creative mode won't last forever so I'm just kind of rolling with it and creating 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 and just feeling so inspired but the funny thing is is that you know with this coronavirus happening literally a month after I go full-time I've had a ton of people reach out to me and say wow are you okay and they're almost like pitying my situation thinking that I should have stayed with my day job because I would be getting a salary even if I was at home and all these benefits and all these perks. But I will tell you in 100% honesty, I do not regret my decision even for a millisecond. There's not even a hint of regret for making the leap when I did. And you know, I don't like talking about money, but I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I I don't know if I'm making the same as when I did, when I left my corporate job. I don't know. I'm not paying attention, to be honest with you. This is, <laughs> again, my feminine side, which is just like, I just feel abundance coming in. I'm not going to fuck with this flow and this rhythm. And all I know is I have enough for my mortgage payments. And that is good enough for me. But I will tell you what the blessing is which I feel so validated for one of the reasons why I wanted to leave my day job is because I've, well, I will premise this with, I had so much time to myself. I was literally only working six to nine hours a week and still feeling this abundance and feeling an influx of people who are really eager to work with me. And so that can't be wrong. I just feel like I'm doing exactly what I meant to be doing. I don't regret leaving the corporate world at all. And now we're kind of in isolation and we're being kind of, you know, told to stay into our homes. I will say it is a bit of a struggle for me because I have two really young kids. They are three and six and they are busy and they do not always get along. And so I have struggled in the past two weeks in confinement because they take a lot of my energy they require a ton of my energy and the only time I get away now is when I do my readings so I have my parents living downstairs they have a little suite downstairs in our house and so the only time that they'll come up and you know help is when 
I am doing my practice and thank God for them for that. I really appreciate it. I don't push my boundaries with them. I will take it. I will take it. I will take it. But I will say one of the things that I really miss about my previous life, which was the space between leaving my corporate career and today, was all the alone time I got. Because right now it's eight o'clock. I'm recording this podcast. I'm really tired. I've had a day with the kids by myself (laughs) trying to work on my business at the same time and my practice and not getting a whole lot of time to meditate or be on my own to give those pondering and those reflections that I usually have with the world of spirit but I will say that's not going to last forever I'm trying to enjoy every single minute I have with them because they're not going to be little forever and I'm also realizing that I really have to honor my energy and like I preach to you guys I am 100% responsible for my own energy so I've made some shifts I quit drinking alcohol 100% and trust me I'm one of the biggest winos you'll ever meet I love my glass of Malbec at night when I'm cooking dinner and I would only have one glass at night I never had more because actually once I I ate I didn't actually feel like wine so I quit alcohol I started moving my body every day just going for a walk in the evenings after the kids go to sleep because the uh, sun's out now a bit later because we're in spring and just kind of getting moving a little bit more my gym's closed so I'm not exercising but I'm just standing more walking more chasing after the kids and I'm just trying to build my energy in a very natural and healthy way so I'm not using coffee I'm not using you know kind of like false props to get my energy up I'm literally changing my lifestyle to match what the current day situation is so I kind of just wanted to share that so that you know because a lot of people I know are like I'm drained because the collective energy is so down and yeah, it's been it's been really intense. So I just want to say that you have responsibility. You have sovereignty and you have the ability to transform your energy just like we have the ability to transform our bodies and transform our minds by doing things that are best for us. So just think about that. And wherever you can find a space to just like catch your breath, calm your nervous system with a breathing rhythm of five breaths in, hold for five seconds, release for five seconds, really calming your nervous system and getting back into your body, even just a couple times a day for two minutes will be so beneficial for you. So the second my husband walks in the door because he's still working, I basically say, I need 10 minutes and I just go upstairs. He happily deals with the kids and I just take that time to kind of collect myself and I mean, by the time he gets home, I've been with him alone for like nine hours, right? Of like real battle style refereeing. It's crazy. I'm sure that there's people with older kids that are listening to this thinking, wow, yeah, I don't know if I would like to be in quarantine with kids that young, (laughs) right? Older kids when they're more independent um, would probably be a lot easier. And I daydream too about a quarantine with no kids, I'm like, could you imagine how beautiful it would be to like have peace and quiet and like a day to like just veg at home? Oh, anyways, I won't tell you how envious I am of the people out there who are lucky enough to be alone or just with one or two other people who are (laughs) self-sufficient. Anyways, enough about that. I just wanted to kind of share some of that wisdom 
But I really wanted to launch my spirit school course as well because it's just something I'm really, really excited about. So thank you for giving me that time, even though it's my podcast. (laughs) I try not to be too salesy and I just want to be able to give you guys like the most valuable information possible through this podcast. So now I really wanted to get into a little bit about the history of mediumship because I feel by knowing the history of mediumship and how we're in this evolving shift with the styles of mediumship within the past like I'd say 10-20 years, I think it's really important to go back to kind of see why we're experiencing what we're experiencing as mediums right now. And I've heard it a lot and I've heard it even from my mouth. You know, last week I had two readings um, and the rest were mentorship clients because I mostly do mentorship now. And the two readings were not back to back, but they were the next days and they were completely different from one another. One was like really hard to connect with. I'm keeping the flow. And then the other one was complete flow. Like everything was coming so easily. It was enjoyable. It was high energy, but I kind of wanted to go to the history of mediumship before I explain why I think that is. And I just did a Q&A on my Instagram stories and this was something that two people actually brought up. So I felt like I would tie it into this history of mediumship that I've always wanted to do so it's so hard to kind of explain all this but I got really into the history of mediumship because I've always been into history I'm really obsessed with like the Plantagenets um, oriental history the history of religion I'm always really into the history of women deities I always get really into and kind of suck down this rabbit hole and when I first started developing as a medium seven years ago I really wanted to know everything about it. So I started reading really old text from the 1800s and early 1900s, which were really channeled books from people who were very skeptical about mediumship. But I want to go back even further. Now, in truth, there's always been a history of mediumship. There's always been, you know, an Aboriginal culture. We call it spirit talking. There's always been a spirit talker in the community. It's something that was very accepted in a lot of different cultures very early on. But the history that I more or less look back at goes to the early 1800s and what we call spiritism and spiritualism. What I really love about spiritism, which came before spiritualism, was it was kind of created in part by this guy called Alan Kardec. And I had to pause there. I accidentally hit fast forward on my button there. Um, What I love about Alan Kardec is the first year I was in a development circle, we were given this big list of old school mediums and we were told to go home and meditate on them and see who came forward. And I had Alan Kardec come forward. And then as I researched him a little bit more, I realized that he actually never identified as a medium. He was a skeptic who actually spent a lot of his life first trying to debunk mediums or people who claim to talk to the other spirit realm um, and then started studying mediums and started advocating for them. And he wrote two books that are very popular called The Spirit Book and The Medium's Book. And they are very old texts. They're a little bit harder to find now. You can actually find a free copy online of The Spirit Book if you look hard enough. But I guess back in the day, there was a lot of people, maybe there still is today, and I just I just don't see it, but there's a lot of people who faked this kind of stuff and, you know, really used it as ent- entertainment, parlor tricks, et cetera, et cetera. So Alan Kardec was really somebody who researched mediumship really early on to the death, but my ego side was still really bummed that a medium didn't come forward for me. 
And But I still kept studying him. I read both of his books. I really, really enjoyed them. And I read many more books like his um, throughout the years of developing mediumship. But in North America, mediumship really kind of started with the Fox sisters. So these were two girls who noticed one day when they were home that there was tapping on a door or a window or something but they heard tapping and after a while they started getting curious again how often do I talk about curiosity on this podcast being really part of the spiritual path they started tapping back and over time they started realizing that the tapping was coinciding with answers to the questions that they were asking so people started getting really curious And then it evolved over to England as well. And then spiritualism started to be formed. And spiritualism was really formed out of seances, sitting in circle, and really trying to create physical mediumship. And when we create physical mediumship, this is where lights come in, the ectoplasm. This is table tipping where you like levitate tables. And I've actually done table tipping myself once. And it was probably the most spiritually powerful experience I've ever had in my life like I was literally brought to my knees crying but this is where the term the power of mediumship came from because what people did in the 1800s and early 1900s is that they were so devoted to making something physical appear in front of them can you imagine what that would have been like back then before tv before radio I think (laughs) you know not a whole lot of outside stimulants and then all of a sudden they're able to like communicate with the other side and create physical phenomenon like I would sit for that shit too every week and so they would come together in circles and they would sit with the intention of just sitting in their power and creating collective power together and then after years of sitting in circle physical phenomenon would happen Do we think this day and age with the short attention spans that we have that we would actually sit in circle without something happening for years? No, not at all. We are instant gratification people compared to our ancestors a few generations ago for sure. But that's what they did. They would sit in circle, same time, same people every week. All around the world they were doing this and they were starting to capture the physical phenomenon and If you've ever seen table tipping, I think you can like YouTube it. It's pretty phenomenal. So to jump forward a little bit, for us to be able to build up the energy that required for table tipping, there was a group of us for three years that sat together every month for five hours dedicated to the world of spirit. And then we were able to build up enough energy together that we were able to bring through one of the girl's brothers through table tipping. And this table literally flew across the room back and forth I'm talking like 50 feet with all of our hands on it we're chasing this thing around it would levitate I mean it was one of the most crazy experiences I've ever had and I never talked about it for many years because it was such a sacred experience for me Um, I didn't talk about it for a long time but I feel it worth mentioning because this was like normal day stuff back in the day when they would build up this power So then trance would come in because you would be able to get into such a deep state sitting in this peaceful, loving, and powerful energy with one another that they would be able to be overshadowed by the world of spirit and they would be able to be overshadowed in a state where their voices would change and their their faces would change and Tony Stockwell is a great example of somebody who does transfiguration mediumship I've seen it myself I've sat in front of him twice when he's done it 
three different years apart and his face physically changes, his voice changes, his demeanor changes as he's doing his trance mediumship. I've gone into trance about myself once and spirit was trying to heal through me but I was pregnant and I got a bit scared and I came out of the state and I haven't tried to go back since to be honest with you but it was a pretty neat experience for sure. So this was kind of like mediumship back in the day right? It was very physical. It wasn't so much like in June of 1980, so-and-so died. And this became more modern day spiritualism with the Arthur Finley College. And we look at beautiful teachers like Gordon Higginson. Um, You could still find some of his lectures online. And I highly recommend if you're interested in mediumship, you listen to some of his lectures from like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, They're really cool. And so spiritualism became a religion with, I think, seven main principles. I read all the principles, but it's been a couple years and so the Arthur Finley College was created and all these spiritualist teachers started and then the spiritualist church started which was really trying to create what old school mediumship was sitting in development circles doing platform demonstrations which is very spiritualist that's what we call demonstrations or group readings that was another question I had on my podcast which was um, why do you keep calling a group reading or a demonstration I was like well we're using it interchangeably you can call it a demonstration you can call it a platform or you can call it a group reading whatever you feel like so kind of going into like the 80s and 90s and even like the 70s and 60s it was very much evidence-based um I've even had a spiritualist teacher say to me the evidence is the message. So spiritualist way of doing readings is very much just evidence-based. They don't go into they're so proud of you, they love you, um, don't worry, you're going to be fine. It's really like this is who they are, this is where they live, this is how they died, this is their name, and they're, now you know that they're there. Um, but now we're kind of like transforming as mediums. I call it kind of like modern mediumship. I know that other people are feeling the shift as well, where because we're more clairsentient now and because we're empathic as a collective, we want to like feel the message. So I was trained by spiritualists, so I am trained to bring through evidence that comforts both of us that I'm connected before I will even try for a message. And honestly, my first few years of doing readings people would have to remind me to give them a message because that's how brought up in the spiritualist world I was my first few years of developing. So now what we find going back, you know, the 20 years that I'm talking about, the 10, 20 years, our technology has evolved at an extremely rapid pace and our complete physiology and biology is changing because of this technology. So I don't know about you, but can you watch a whole TV show without picking up your phone? Can you even be present for like an episode of Schitt's Creek on Netflix, which is like 21 minutes without looking at your phone if your phone's beside you? Probably not. We are so busy now. We are so overstimulated that we can't sit for spirit like we once did. We just can't. We don't have that capacity. We don't 
have the energy, the capacity, or even the time because we overschedule ourselves to death. And then by the time we reach the evening, much like I talked about earlier, we're dead tired. And so that's not an optimal time to like sit for spirit, even though you could and you should, we're just kind of not into it. So now we're finding mediumship is done a lot mentally. So this is what we call mental mediumship. And I used to get really hung up and really upset hearing that because I felt like I was branded being a mental medium. God, that sounds so bad. (laughs) I felt like there was a hierarchy of mediumship. It was like physical, spiritual, evidential, mental, modern. Like there's all these different things that we can call ourselves and it always just feels like a hierarchy. And whenever we work in the world of hierarchies, like even when we're talking about the hierarchy of angels, we're humanizing something that is spiritual in essence. And that's such a human thing to do. And it's, I'm not saying it's not spiritual, but it's not necessary, right? The world of spirit is not like, oh, she's a mental medium. Like, no, 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 go to this physical medium over here, right? It doesn't work like that. But what is happening is that we're not sitting in circle anymore. Circles may be done online through technology, who knows? But we just don't have the patience, the stillness, the mental capacity to sit for hours on end, weeks on end, years on end before we get our reward. And I'm putting that in air quotes, which is a physical experience from the world of spirit. So mediumship has changed drastically over the past few decades because of this. So now we receive a lot more information clairaudiently, claircognizantly, which could be definitely termed as mental mediumship more than physical mediumship, which is that trance state, which is those flying lights going around, table tipping, ectoplasm that was very common in the 1800s and 1900s. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with mental mediumship. But what I think we need to realize here through sharing this history of mediumship, a very obviously very short condensed version, is that we're changing as mediums. The need of mediumship is also changing. Don't you find people who are readers out there listening that less people come needing mediumship, like less people come actually needing to know that their loved one made it because I feel more and more now we have comfort in knowing that our loved ones made it on the other side. And so what we're looking for is just validation that they're around us. They want the evidence of what they've seen since they've departed. So they want to talk about the trip you took or the way that you honored their their remains or the way that you continue to honor their memories and validating things that have happened since they passed to give them comfort. Okay, you're right. Yeah, they are there. So very rarely are we telling our sitter something that they don't already know. So even the need of mediumship is shifting in a lot of ways. So what I find is we're still kind of in that transition phase. So we are still looking at mediums of the past and the way that they worked and the way that we feel. And again, in air quotes, it should be. And we're getting really hung up in our heads because not many people are writing books nowadays or talking about the shift in mediumship and how we're perceiving the information with our modern day minds. 
I will say though, I still think that every single person who wants to develop as an intuitive and empath or a medium needs to sit with their energy, needs to sit in the power. You need to schedule a time every week where you can just sit for even 15 minutes in your own energy without seeking for anything, without asking the world of spirit for anything. Just sitting in your own energy to build your own power. Because whether we transform from, you know, trans mediumship into mental mediumship, and there's always going to be pieces of it all within the ethers without a doubt but it is shifting you need to sit with your power and you need to know how your energy works so this is part of the course that I'm teaching coming up on Saturday it's going to be explaining how all these different sensations come to us and we can only really feel them at a palpable and tangible level when we know clear as day what our energy feels like so I really just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the history of mediumship and how it's evolved today because I do see a lot of people messaging me. I feel like there's a level of expectations on how this should work because of what we see on TV, because of what we may be learning from uh, spiritualist teachers, which is lovely. I'm so glad that they're around. I still am super drawn to learning from spiritualist teachers or teachers who have spiritualist backgrounds even though I have never been interested in attending the spiritualist church um, or doing a development circle within that under that umbrella I've always been more drawn to kind of finding my own way of doing mediumship by learning through different teachers um, I just think that we need to take it easy on ourselves and understand that we are part of this bigger shift to modern mediumship and so we're all still just trying to figure it out so if you can approach your readings and you can approach mediumship from a lens of let's just see what happens today I'm just excited to be able to connect with spirit and kind of release the expectations and judgments of self and the world of spirit you will have a much easier time connecting and the other thing to address the question I mentioned earlier, because I was wondering this myself, I always wonder this kind of stuff. And then when people ask me it, I'm like, oh good, I'm glad other people are wondering about it. You can't even compare one reading to the next because mediumship readings are really based off of three energies, spirits who always show up ready to go, ours who try our best to show up ready to go, and then our sitter who is a total, you know, Anything could happen because we don't know how a sitter is coming up. I had a really skeptical spirit uh, sitter a couple weeks ago who was like a scholar and it was really hard to connect for them. And I started to realize that it was harder to connect for them because they weren't bought in it. They weren't sold on it already. When I have a client who sits in front of me who's just like, I'm bought, I'm sold, I know this exists, let's go. You know how much easier it is to connect for people like that and how much more valuable information comes out? So I would just start working with the world of spirit saying, can I just attract clients who are like bought and sold on what I do? Because I don't want the added extra pressure of, you know, trying to overcome the energy of a skeptic. Now, there are a lot of mediums out there who do that work with skeptics. Like Laura Lynn Jackson is a perfect example who was in the Goop Labs. And I read her book years ago, The Light Between Us. I love her book. She is one of the most scientifically studied mediums ever. And she opens herself vulnerably, vulnerably to work with skeptics and people who don't believe in what we do. I don't know how she does it. I truly, truly don't. She has like, I don't give a fuck, level 10 
(laughs) I don't care what people think about me. Actually, I've heard her talk about it a little bit. She really wants to know as much as the skeptics how this all works at a scientific level. Whereas I kind of want to know what it works on this like spirit realm kind of level. It's kind of funny now that I'm talking about it. Those reflections come out. But... So I just want you to know that there are mediums out there who are taking one for the team and focusing on working with the skeptics. So there's nothing wrong with asking the world of spirit to align the non-skeptics for you. Okay, there are people doing that hard work for us. I just know from my experience, I like to work with the people who just totally believe in this because the energy is so fun, so much fun. And it's just way easier to connect for me that way. So if you've been struggling with comparing your readings one from the next, just think about that philosophy a little bit and see how that plays in. And I've asked a lot of mentors, a lot, because I have a lot of mentors, and I'll ask them like, is it the same for you? Like, are all readings completely different? Like sometimes they're a slog and sometimes they're like really easy. Every single one of them has responded, it's probably your sitter in all honesty, is probably the energy of your sitter. So if you're a professional working medium out there, the best thing you can do before a reading is just talk to them personally for like two or three minutes. How's your day? How are you feeling? Are you nervous? Have you ever had a reading before? Sometimes I really like to share something funny that happened throughout my day to kind of like settle the energy um, to, you know, get people in a state of receiving. So I just kind of wanted to talk about this kind of stuff today. I hope you found it interesting. Um, There's a lot of really neat old school resources. If you are interested in looking into the history of mediumship, there's a lot of free books online. You know, like I say, the Gordon Higginson lectures are amazing. If you're still, if you're looking into Mavis Patilla, she's a wonderful spiritualist teacher who does free webinars all the time. Get on her mailing list. God bless her. I think she's like 90 or something. She still travels the world teaching mediumship. She has a wealth of information when it comes to the spiritualist way of mediumship. But it's important to look back to kind of see where we're going. And I've been feeling the shift ever since I started developing as a medium. I'm like, wow, this is a lot different than the old text that I read. This is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. And even as the years go on, like I mentioned earlier around the need being a lot different, it's shifting even still. Like people are just believers now I find or else I'm just attracting the believers because that's what I'm open to. But I'm finding the need is very different. And also for the working mediums out there who are comparing their readings uh, one to the next, it's really important to know that the need of the sitter also can impact the quality of the reading. So sometimes I find if I get like a true looky-loo, like just somebody who's just curious, it can sometimes also be a bit of a struggle to connect with them because there's not a great need. There's nobody they want to hear from. And I'll be like really struggling with mediumship for some reason. I'm like, you know, is there somebody you're hoping to hear from? No, no, I was just curious. I'm like, okay, well then that's why I'm having a hard time picking up mediumistic information. And then I'll switch to the psychic or the soul. So lots to ponder in this episode, lots to think about. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. Love you all.